Hello, welcome to Off Curve. I am Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone as I am driving home from work. It is Thursday, March 7th. I think it's March 7th. Is it March 6th or March 7th? March 7th. I got it right. I know what day it is. That's, that's rare these days, actually, that I know what day it is, but you know. Um, so it's Thursday, March 7th. Um, I was fully expecting, and the reason I've been holding off until later this week to record is I was fully expecting we were going to have a set announcement by now. And we do not. We've gotten some teasers, um, some little short videos that they've been tweeting out every day, but it looks like we are not getting a set announcement. And I am expecting... I, I'm, I'm just kind of betting that we're not going to get a set, a set announcement tomorrow. So either way, we will talk about the set next week. I don't think that I necessarily need to do an emergency episode if we get announced tomorrow. But, you know, we'll, we'll play it by ear. But so instead, I kind of rearranged my, you know, because one of the things, and I, I should point this out if you're newer to the show... Um, very often a lot of the podcasts in the, in the Hearthstone space will do card review episodes either as the set is revealed or, you know, one big bang after everything is, after everything's been finally revealed and we have the whole set. I do not do that on this show because I go over to the happy Hearthstone and I, um, am Andrew's regular card review partner because that is a job that is too big for just one person. And we go through all of the cards in ex- the, the kind of excruciating detail you would expect from me um, in two, three-hour-long episodes. So because I'm going to be doing that, I do not do that on this show because, quite frankly, that's a lot. <laughs> and I can only talk about the cards for so long. I'll probably talk about the ones that are revealed in the original in the initial reveal stream in, in the announcement. But past that, I want to try to ta- tackle some other things because I figure that you all are also kind of tired of listening to all the card reviews and there's only so many times you can listen to the, to that over and over again. So, um, I have some things planned and I've kind of shuffled my, my month's content around, but, and one of the things that I do every set around the time that the new set is released in, is we take a look at the old set in my, uh, in the rearview mirror series. So this, today we're going to do Rastakhan in the rearview mirror. And, uh, you know, it's always fun looking at the embarrassing ways that I, uh, I got some cards catastrophically wrong, <laughs> and all also really right. Some some of them I got, I did a pretty good job on, and I'm gonna toot my own horn too, because it's all in it's all in the service of getting better at figuring out what these cards are going to be. Because if you are an aspiring deck builder, you need to know what your tools are before you can build something. Um, before we get to that, uh, ladder has been kind of an adventure. I ended up uh, finishing top four in the Coin Concede Listener League. Lost to Mark Shire. He thoroughly destroyed me. Um, and and congrats to him and good luck to him in the finals. Um, but I, it's kind of good because I haven't really competed in a while. Like, I've been doing a fair amount of casting. But I haven't competed in a tournament, even like a, a casual tournament in a really long time. So it was, it was kind of good for me to prove to myself that I could build a lineup and I could play those decks on a high level. And I could actually, uh, you know, compete in place. So... That was kind of a confidence booster for me. I kind of needed that. Ladder's been going okay. I kind of went... I, I cl- flew a little bit too close to the sun. I got up to, like, rank two, I think, with, with Control Priest. And then ended up going all the way down to the floor. And I found a really good guide to Even Paladin by No Hands Gamer, who was rank one legend with it, that I will post in the show notes, assuming I remember. 
um, that was really helping me with the lit, with, with playing the deck. And I know that there were a couple people in Discord who were struggling with that deck as well because it is kind of counterintuitive to play sometimes. Um, but the the No Hands Gamer guide on competitive HS on Reddit is really good and really comprehensive. And I think it'll help you. It certainly helped me. And I like his list better than the one that I was playing for Coin Concede. So uh, I was able to at least get myself off the rank five floor. And hopefully I'll be able to uh, climb a little bit more. But I'll, I'll be honest. I've been really distracted by this Brawliseum that came out of nowhere. The Miniature Warfare Brawliseum. And um, I got a tip from Edelweiss uh, from Team Swagoy that Hakkar Druid is kind of busted in this brawl. And it kind of is like... I've done three or four runs with Hakkar Druid now, and uh, when Gadgetsan Auctioneer is one mana, and you can play a one mana um, Witchwood Piper to find it pretty consistently, like the first Witchwood Piper finds the second one, the second Witchwood Piper finds a Gadgetsan, um, you can you can do some pretty disgusting turns, and generally the only deck, the only times I've been losing are either through sheer pilot error, because the deck is kind of hard to play, like you need to remember to save a Spellstone or a Moonfire for the Hakkar so that you can get maximum naturalized value with both the, uh, with both of the bloods in the, in the, the deck and be able to do enough damage to kill your opponent before they can send the bloods back to you. But other than that, it's just been the rogue with the spirit of the shark and then either bone mares and fungal mancers or just Maligos that's been blowing me out. Um, but I've got, I've done like three or four runs. None of them have had less than five wins. So it's been a pretty solid list. I, I'm enjoying that a lot. I think it's just a lot of fun to play. It's been a nice change of pace. So I'm kind of okay with my ladder kind of sitting for a little bit while I'm enjoying that Brawliseum. And, and you should make sure to give um, give Blizzard feedback. Joe Mag was actively soliciting feedback on Twitter the other day. And you should let him know if you're enjoying this. Because this seems like the kind of thing that is a lot of fun for a deck construction um, tavern brawl. It definitely makes me feel more engaged in it than I otherwise would be. And it's a good way to, you know, grind some gold if you need some gold before the new expansion, or at least break even and get some dust. So I've been really enjoying that, and I'm, I'm kind of okay with this kind of three- or four-day diversion from uh, my usual ladder climb. And, right, you know, as the, the meta is going to be at its most stale this month, it's kind of at a welcome time. So I've been having a lot of fun with that. Um, so, again, if this is your first Rearview Mirror segment, what... What I generally do is I go back through... Andrew and I maintain a spreadsheet um, that's available to Happy Hearthstone patrons That where we write down our thoughts, and, and sometimes I get a little bit more snarky than I normally am. But it's just kind of our hot takes and our initial reactions to the cards, and then we use that as a basis for what we're going to discuss in the show. And then I go back and look at what my ratings were for those cards after like three months worth of play and then see what I got wrong, what I got right and what we can learn from it. So there are definitely some that, and there's always a couple of like, Oh boy, I don't want to have that one back this time around. That one is raiding party. And, and I am notoriously bad at evaluating road cards. Like I will come at that. Honestly, like I typically have trouble with being able to visualize how rogue cards are going to go in the deck because I just don't I don't enjoy the class very much and I don't play the class as much as other classes. And so I don't always get how that fits together, but I mean, I apparently wrote gave it a 1 out of 5 and said it won't see play while Elven Minstrel is still in standard and even after that probably not. Now, I had heard I remember having heard the argument that it was going to be used in Kingsbane Rogue 
and completely dismissed it because Kingsbane Rogue at the time was a um, it was a deck. It did not run pirates. It had actually cut the two four with combo give your give your weapon plus one plus a plus one attack because it was too slow. And so I completely dismissed the idea that pirates were going to make their way back into Kingsbane Rogue and just said, this isn't going to see play. You don't need it. You have Elven Minstrel. You don't, you don't need another card like this while Elven Minstrel is there because Elven Minstrel is just better. And that was just flat out wrong. Like being able, first of all, being able to draw three cards and, and tutoring a weapon is more powerful than just drawing two cards. That's, that's the math for you. That's science. Um, but I also didn't give any validity to the idea that the deck had been refined for the meta that it was in and the card pool that it had and could change back once it got additional tools. And I think that's the lesson I want to take back from Raiding Party is that you really, this is less relevant for a rotation set than for a non-rotation set. But just because a deck is refined the way that it is does not mean that it may not change to take advantage of new tools if the new tools are powerful enough. And Raiding Party in retrospect was powerful enough for that. And it's, you know, it's been used subsequently, even in like Miracle Rogue, to draw two pirates and a Shadow Blade just to get those out of the deck. Because again, it is a powerful turn and it gets you a weapon that you can use for initiative immediately. The problem was also that, you know, none of the weapons other than King's Bane were powerful enough. Well, Shadow Blade is good enough. Because it, you know, it's just three damage that you're able... It's a it's a three attack um, candle shot the turn you play it. And you have buff cards that you can run. But even if not, like, you've got Dread Corsair that, that triggers off of that. There's a lot of, like, all of the... All the pirates are going to have weapon synergies, or a lot of them will. So I, I just... I completely discounted that, and I think I was probably just cranky when I saw the card. That's the only explanation I can think of. But, because I know better than that, right? Like, I know tutors, tutor effects, if you're not familiar, is a term for magic, where you're drawing out a specific card from the deck. Um, so this is this would be a tutor for weapons. You have, um, like, master Master's Call would be a tutor for beasts, etc., etc. Um, I, I know that tutors are powerful. I say that every time. And being able to draw three cards, even at a slight tempo loss if it fits into the deck, is a really powerful effect, especially if it's drawing you specific cards out of the deck. So I have no excuse for getting this as wrong as I did. I was right to be skeptical, I think, but not that skeptical. I shouldn't have been, that should, I should have been hedging a lot more on that. So I guess that's just kind of the lessons that I'm going to take from Raiding Party, but that was, that was a pretty big whiff. The next big miss that I want to talk about is Daring Fire Eater, and I was, I was convinced this card was trash. I, and, and, I think this one's a little bit more forgivable, not much, and, and I think a lot of it just has to do with how strong Janelai is and how much people really wanted to get that effect to go off and, and how hard it is to get that effect to go off without Daring Fire Eater. Like, Janelai is the reason that Odd Mage is played. It's that That's basically it. That get, having a two-damage hero power just makes it much easier to get Janelai online. And I thought that Odd Mage was not necessarily going to be the primary home for Janelai. I thought that there would be like a big spell mage that would use something like Spirit of the Dragonhawk. But Spirit of the Dragonhawk really relies on there being a lot of wide boards. And aside from Odd Paladin, there aren't that many of them. I mean, I guess, you know, you can... 
you can say that the Hunter Spellstone makes a wide board, but the Spirit of the Dragonhawk really doesn't do much against that. So I thought that, that Spirit of the Dragonhawk was going to be used more, and it wasn't. And it turned out Odd, War, Odd Mage was really the only way to get Janelay online. And if you're playing Odd Mage, then you can't play Frostbolt, which means that three, dam- three mana for four damage is a reasonable is a reasonable play, especially in Odd Mage. In non-Odd Mage, you're paying three mana for three damage and getting a 1-1, which is you may as well just play Frostbolt. And in those types of decks, there really wasn't a lot of usage for Daring Fire Eater. Some big spell mages run it. Just because it, it also does... I, the other thing I didn't really consider is that it makes Jaina better. Because it makes it so that you can you can kill a 3 health thing and get a fire a water elemental. So I think that it was just hard because Mage was so bad. It was hard to kind of visualize how Daring Fire Eater was going to fit into a deck. But once you see it, it's kind of obvious. So I think I probably needed to think that through a little more rather than just dismissing it. But I couldn't get past the idea of, well, why am I paying three three mana for three damage um, when I can just pay two mana for three damage and free something? And, and the, the fact of the matter is that often you're paying three mana for four damage, which is a much better deal. And when you are paying three mana for three damage, you're doing it because that's the only way really to get Janelai on online. Like the, the other hero power effects really are not that effective. Spear of the Dragonhawk is not good. Blackwall Pixie is not going to be running a mage. Um, and, and they're just, there aren't, I think there's like Waterboy or whatever, but those never got run. So it really was a matter of Janelai was too good not to run. And if you're running Janelai, you basically need a Dairy Fire or, or to order in order to be able to play it in like a reasonable amount of time. And, and I think I should have seen that Janelai was going to be harder to get online than it was. I figured you could just play Odd Mage and you didn't need Jer- Daring Fire Eater. But if you're, again, if you're doing that, three mana for four damage is a better deal than I gave it credit for. So the last huge miss that I have on my list is Lickum. And this is a lesson about really understanding the nuances of how some of these mechanics work. So the reason that I gave Lickum a really bad rating was because my understanding of Overload was not the way that the mechanic actually works. I thought that Overload meant when you actually had crystals locked. And according to the game, Overload is something that happens from the moment you play an Overload card until the until the crystals get unlocked. So which means that if you're playing Lickum, <clears throat> you have the benefit of that of that buff for two turns, not one. And that makes a huge difference. Like, when you're looking at, well, I have a 1-3 weapon that can be a 3-3 a three, three weapon, or a 1-3 weapon that can be a 3-3 three, three weapon for the one turn when I play an Overload card, after I play an Overload card. I don't know if I thought it meant the turn that it was, you were overloaded, or the turn that they were locked. It doesn't really matter. The idea is that it would only be active for that one turn. That's a bad deal. When it's two turns, it's the, it's the turn when you play the Overload and the turn when your crystals were locked. That's a much better deal because you can get two swings out of one overload and that's much more efficient. Especially, I mean, ultimately it didn't matter and none of those decks really kind of came to be. But Lickham was played for a little while and it was pl- and it was good when it was played because the effect was much more powerful than it seemed with that understanding, that incorrect understanding of the mechanic. 
So that lesson is really just to understand how the mechanics work in order to make sure that you're evaluating something that's conditional like this. Um, because that, that definitely made a big difference in how I viewed the card and had I realized that that was how overload worked, I probably would have rated Lickham a lot differently than I did. So there are a couple that I got right and these, these are going to seem not so controversial now, but at the time that we were doing the card, the card review was before anyone got a chance to play with any of these cards. And it's, and at the time these were actually somewhat controversial opinions. And the first one is Surrender to Madness. I, to say I hated Surrender to Madness from the, from the moment I saw it is probably being a little bit too, um, it's being a little bit too gentle. I was, I, I, I actually went on like a rant on Twitter on that day. And I, I want to get what I actually wrote <clears throat> in the spreadsheet because... I was just, I was super salty about this. This was also the first priest card, um, revealed. And, and it's silly, it's silly to think about now where priest is, but at the time that these were being revealed, cloning gallery priest was basically a meme deck and there were no other viable, uh, viable priest decks. And again, I'm a priest main. So this is the class I care about the most. And I was not, this was not what I wanted to see. And I, I'll just read what I said. I said, this name is appropriate because you need to, you need to do that, Surrender to Madness, to play this card on purpose. By the way, since you asked, this card makes me irrationally angry in a way that makes me want to invoke Purify. And if you don't remember, Purify was a card in um, 190 Karazhan, back when Priest was completely in the dumpster. And the first card they revealed was a card that lets you silence your own minion to draw a card. That actually did see play, but that was not what Priest players wanted to see. Um, and it turns out... <coughs> That and, and the arguments that I got into were like, well, Kaliseth is a good card. And yes, Kaliseth is a good card. But Kaliseth very rarely got played in Priest to begin with. It only got played when Spiteful Summoner cost six mana. And and then when Patches had charge and you every deck was playing the Patches Pirate um, combo. Even Priest at the time. I played I played Spiteful Priest with um with South Sea Captain and um and patches in it at the time. And and there was probably something else. Oh the the one two that I forget what the hell it's called. The one two that uh takes away a weapons durability. But other than that, Priest has never wanted an effect like that. Lady in White, as much as I love that card, is not good. And the fact that you're destroying three mana crystals means that there's never a good time to play that card. Because if you play it early, you basically just put yourself in a hole for a really long time. And if you play it late, you're giving up a lot of the value that you would get from the card. Because a lot of the value of Kaliseth is when you play it on curve. When you have, when you play it on turn two and you have 25 cards left in your deck. When you have 10 cards in your, left in your deck, it's much less impactful. And if you draw you know, another seven or so cards, that value gets less the longer you wait. But the lo but the earlier you play it, the more you hose yourself. And we didn't have the analogy, uh, the analog that we do now with Mojo, with Mojo Master Zihi. I think if we had Mojo Master Zihi in the game before Surrender to Madness was printed, we would have evaluated it very differently because now we see like the effect that losing three mana crystals has. 
Like, granted, you're in a deck that doesn't, isn't built for it. But even in the decks that are built for it, like an even warlock, sometimes just setting back those three mana crystals, even if you're doing it to your opponent at the same time, is a pretty big setback in order to get to your late game. And so Surrender to Madness is just doing that to yourself um, asymmetrically. And then you need to draw the cards out of your deck after to get the value out of it. And that's just too slow in a meta that just wants to kill you quickly. I, I really don't see Surrender to Madness getting better. I think that that card is really... This is a card that exists to nerf Lyra. Which it would in Cloning Gallery Priest. Because sometimes you would get Surrender to Madness and you would be very sad. Because you either don't play it and you have a dead card in your hand for the rest of the game. Or you do play it and you set yourself back three Mana Crystals in a deck that really wants to have Mana Crystals most of the time. So I at least was right about evaluating the Priest card. Even if I was really wrong about evaluating the Rogue card. The other card that I was very right about that I felt like I was going out on a limb for at the time is Shrivala the Tiger. Um, Shrivala at the time, remember, this is one of the first cards that was revealed. It costs 25 mana and then, you know, gets reduced for the number of spells, for the mana that you spend on spells. And a lot of people were looking at that like, that's never going to get played. That's too expensive. And my feeling was, in the deck that wants it, you are playing expensive spells. Control Paladin, in general, plays expensive spells. It's even more so now that Equality's gotten nerfed. Um, but, you know, you're playing cards like Consecration, like sometimes Blessing of Kings, like uh, Spike Ridge Steed, like Sound the Bells, which can, can, you know, discount it a lot if you're echoing, like Lay on Hands, like Prismatic Lens, um, Call to Arms, Holy Wrath is one that I wouldn't have thought of, but ends up getting played, right? And I wasn't even thinking of the OTK possibilities. I was just thinking, in a deck like Egg Paladin, which was a thing before the set got released, and, and became a thing between the two nerfs in this past meta, you're playing a lot of buff cards. You're playing all of those. And then you can get Shavala out pretty quickly if you're just naturally playing spells. Like, you don't have to work for it. Like, again, as we talk about whenever we do card reviews, the question to ask, and again, I learned this from Andrew listening to him back, him and, and Robin Eve back on Valence Chosen back when I, was a list, when I was just a listener of that show, and he and I weren't even doing card reviews together. Um, but the question that you should be asking yourself is, what is this card asking of me? That's one of the questions you should be asking. And in Shervala's case... The, the answer to that question is, play spells that you would play in that deck anyway. And so, it's really not asking that much. Now, it's slow and it's not great early. I don't even think we considered the idea of, like, Prismatic Lens just basically making it free. Um, but even without that, like, just in a normal deck that's just running a lot of buffs, this is a fine card, and it would get played pretty quickly. There are also things, you know, that once the OTKs came out, then you started seeing Hammers of Wrath and and Holy Wraths and and all those things too. But I didn't, I didn't even think you needed to do that. I figured you would just be building this in like a, a slow mid range deck that takes advantage of like Death Rattle synergies and buffs on those cards and stuff like that, and then have Shrivala as a catch up mechanic. Um, and. I was right. I mean, that's what it was used. It ended up being used in the OTK, but the fact that you were able to discount it made it viable for the OTK. Um, 
So, you know, Shrivala is one of those cards that is demonstrating why you need to ask what the card is asking of you to do. And when the answer is not much and the effect is really powerful, that's a recipe for a really good card. So the last set of cards that I want to talk about are cards that really haven't seen play that I thought would, but they may not, they may just be ready waiting for a rotation because right now they're too fair compared to the, what's in the meta right now with six sets. And once we get rotation, they could become relevant again. So Spirit of the Dead is a card that I have been very excited about. Uh, uh, Bonsamdi kind of goes along with this because Bonsamdi is kind of the payoff for Spirit of the Dead. Um, where, you know, it's a one mana, zero, three stealth, and whenever a minion dies, it gets shuffled back into your deck and it costs one. So the thing is that right now Priest is not a minion class. And that's why Spirit of the Dead isn't being played. I thought it might fit in Cloning Gallery. I was wrong. But I think that I, I like that I was at least thinking out of the box for that. But ultimately, like, the last time that Priest has been going in on minions, it was, you know, Spiteful Summoner was six mana. Again. So, <clears throat> Priest's win condition right now is basically Mind Blasts and kill you, or 214 Divine Spirit, Divine Spirit, Inner Fire and kill you, or um, Spellstone into Velen and Maligos, Mind Blast, Mind Blast, kill you. There's not a lot of room for a density of minions that would um, you would want to be shuffling back into your deck. Now, this could be more valuable when Resurrect cards are no longer a thing in Standard. And when you're going to have to rely more on minions to win the game, especially as Priest. Again, we've talked about that, that Ixar quote that when you can end a game by sticking a Ysera for two turns... Which, by the way, does not mean that you're just going to play Ysera and win. I know there are some people who misunderstood this. It means that that's the power level of a finisher. Like, that, like Ysera generating a couple of Ysera cards should be enough to put you over the top in a slower matchup if you're a control deck. Like, you don't need a ridiculous 60 damage combo anymore. Like, just being able to get a Ysera and get it to live for two turns is enough to win. Like that's that's what that means, and and that's so that that basically means that minions are going to be more valuable. There's probably going to be a lot more, you know, minion combat because we've seen a lot of the OTK type um, win conditions go away, and Spirit of the Dead could be part of that. We could get a Spirit of the Dead Bonsamdi, um, you know, deck coming after the rotation, especially you know if something else gets printed to support it, and. It's just not good enough right now. Like, shuffling a couple more minions into your deck when every when every deck just wants to draw through it to get to a specific number of combo pieces, that's just not the way Priest wants to play. But Priest is losing most of those tools. It's losing... Predominantly, it's losing Shadow Visions. Which means that building a Priest deck based around Mind Blast or Inner Fire is going to be much less consistent than it is right now. Just because you're not going to be able to get extra copies of them, and you're not going to be able to find them in your deck as easily if they're at the bottom. So there may we may be going back to more minion-based decks, and then Spirit of the Dead will help you recycle some of the critical ones. So I'm going to group these next two together, which are Zondalari Templar, which is the format of 4-4 that gets plus 4, plus 4 in Taunt if you've uh, healed, I believe, 10 damage to yourself. and Or I think it's just heal 10 damage. I don't even think it has to be face damage. 
and Blood Claw, which is the one mana 2-2 weapon that does 5 damage to you when you play it. And I thought, the, again, I thought these were going to be better than they were, but it just turns out that, that a 4 mana 8-8 eight eight is not enough value. Um, which is actually one of the reasons that, that even Warlock was struggling for a lot of this expansion, even. There's just too many ways to deal with it, like Hunter's Mark and Naturalize and, you know, Shadow where Deaths were, were around enough and, you know, like, those types of removals just made it so that playing one big one big minion just wasn't good enough. Now, again, power level's coming way down in the next set and we still have all these healing synergy cards. So Heladin may not have been viable in the Rostacon Reno, but it could be it could be viable in the Year of the Dragon. Just because that that kind of an archetype could work. The call's still going to be around. Blood Claw might be good as a one mana two two weapon that gets your healing train going. Like it might if if Heladin is good, that might fit into it. But again, that's this. There were better weapons for um, for Paladin, even an Odd Paladin, because the Maul is just better for what Odd Paladin wants to do than um, than a one mana two two. So that's why those cards weren't played. But I, I, again, I think there's room for a deck like that that felt like it was close but not good enough with all of the win conditions. And again, healing up to 30 in a meta where, where decks were regularly bursting you down for 40 or 50 damage just wasn't a viable, a viable strategy. Like, you needed to be able to armor up out of the range of those decks, and, and that's not something that heal then lets you do. But again, after rotation maybe much more viable. And the last card I want to talk about is Demon Bolt. And this is probably a card you've all forgotten about also, which is the eight mana spell that destroys a destroy a minion costs one less for each minion you control. So zoo is almost always a thing. Inevitably. And I think that the thing is that the zoo deck as it was was just too good as it was to really need to have Demon Bolt. You had a lot of ways to buff the minions on board easily, like Fungalmancer, for example, and Kaliseth as well. And you had Doom Guards to be able to push through taunts. So something like Demon Bolt wasn't really all that necessary. Also, well, you wouldn't play Spellstone in a zoo. But, you know, Spellstone, if for a slower deck, Spellstone is always was always an option for that as well as Defile. And and ultimately you know, Spellbreaker generally does a lot of that, that work. And that may be the reason that it still doesn't see play. But I think that as Zoo is going to, again, come down in power level, go away from being able to buff easily and maybe rely more on hand buffing like uh, Soul Infusion, like uh, like Harik, like like Spirit of the Spirit of the Bat, things like that you may end up with a, with a deck that goes wider. That's the other thing is that Zoo never really went as wide as Zoo went in the past. Like, you'd usually have, like, four minions on board in a four-mana removal. It's still kind of expensive. Um, like, Rogue will play Walk the Plank, but that's still... You don't you don't really want to play Walk the Plank. And, and Vile Spines Player comes with a 3-4. But if you can consistently get that down to, like, one or two mana, I mean, war, you know, Tempo Warriors play Execute. And that's fine. So if you're doing something that's more along the lines of Scaramag, Grim Rally, 
um, you know, the microtech controller, like, you know, like a token-based zoo. I think Demon Bolt could have a place. And maybe it maybe it replaces Soulfire. I mean, it doesn't go face. But there's also that variance that you may not want to put up with in some builds of the deck, especially now that Doomguard's going away from that. Um, you know, there's not going to be as much as much of an opportunity in, like, the mid-range Warlocks to play something like Soul Warden with, um, with Doomguard leaving standard. So it might be that you need to get through more big things and one or two Spellbreakers isn't going to be enough with just, like, Leroy as your charger. Um, I'd look out for that. There was a spiteful, a spiteful Warlock for, like, five minutes that played that as the only spell, and I thought that was interesting. But I, I do... I feel like 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 Demon Bolt has enough potential that it's something to keep an eye on once rotation comes around. That may be one of those cards that we forgot about that we start playing with again. All right, so that's it for me for this week. Um, I am anxiously awaiting the uh, next expansion announcement, and hopefully we will have that to talk about next week. Um, but until then, you can um, find the show notes for this show and every show at offcurve.com. Um, you can follow at offcurve on Twitter for new show announcements and you can follow me on Twitter at Wicked Good for um, whenever anything else happens um, I will hopefully be doing some casting of House Rivalries NA the, the coming month so you can watch out for me casting there and you can also catch me streaming at twitch.offcurve.com um, I usually stream Sunday evenings uh, I stream Monday evening this week because Sunday was kind of rough um, but you know I, I stream when I can and it's always a good time, and I, I appreciate everybody who comes out. You can also come join the discussion in Discord at discord.offcurve.com. We've had everything from, um, you know, discussion of, of Hearthstone, obviously, and, and of the new, the new set and all of the things that have been happening in, in, by the dev team, but also, um, you know, been having a pretty healthy discussion about Nintendo Switch. We've been talking about Eternal. Um, we had a pretty nerdy discussion about Tableau and data visualization yesterday. So a lot of good stuff that happens in there. We'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, so please come hang out. Again, that's discord.offcurve.com. And um, you can also you can also please uh, do leave a review in iTunes because that both fills my bucket and it helps uh, iTunes algorithm know that we're a, a podcast that they should be featuring more. Because they should. Because I'm worth it. I don't know. I, it, it sounds good, though. I feel like Stuart Smalling when I'm saying that, but... Uh, there's there's a there's a 25 year old reference for you boys and girls. So um, that's all I got for this week. Hopefully we will have a new set announcement to talk about sooner rather than later. Um, but until then, good luck in whatever your goals are. Enjoy the brawl scene if you're playing that, and most of all, be good to each other. We'll talk soon. Have a good one.